as we are looking and observing today on this Father's Day, but also children's dedication, it's important for us to sometimes review the promises of God and the Word of God that is wrote for us and what it says about us as children of God. And every, every believer here today, every believer, you're a child of God. I'm a child of God. And that's important for us to know. It's important for us to recognize what that means for us and what that can mean for us who are yet to be believers in the Lord Jesus. That being a child of God is an important thing, just like uh, we would have our own children. And it's important that uh, that's my child. I love my child. I care for my child. I'm going to put my arms around my child. I'm going to defend and protect and do all I can for my child. It's important for us to recognize who God is as our father. And the Bible shows us that when Jesus prayed and what is called the Lord's Prayer, uh, but maybe could also be referred to as really our Father's Prayer, is this. When you pray, pray this way. Our Father who lives in heaven. And so Jesus calls us when we enter into this loving relationship with God that we recognize that God is our Father and that we are His children. And so this scripture that we're going to read here today is going to teach us a little bit about what it means to be children of God. And so we're going to read here today in Galatians chapter 4, verse 3. So with us, while we were minors, we were enslaved to the elemental spirits of the world. Now, I want you to note here that Paul is showing the gravity and the difficulty of what happens when you and I are stuck in a life of sin. He calls it and relates it to being a slave, that we have been enslaved by sin and by the spirits of the world, by the darkness, by the enemy of the world. So he goes on to say, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. This is an important scripture for us today. Important for us this morning, I want to talk to you today about children of God and what it means to be a child of God. We're all children of God. And I think sometimes when we go through life, when we go through hard times in life, when we go through difficulties in life and tragedies in life, that we forget we're children of God. Sometimes life, when it gets hard, has a way of causing us to be forgetful of God's faithfulness and of God's father-like nature over us. If God is our Father, the Bible teaches us, if God is our Father, and we being evil know how to give good gifts, how much more our Heavenly Father can give us good gifts and can give us His Spirit. If we, you and I, can be parents and love our children in a way that seems incredible and like a love that we have never known before, don't you think God loves us in even a mightier and greater, greater way since he created us? And if that's the case, then it's important for us to remember today that being a child of God, I hope today you'll, you'll remember this, that being a child of God is not a label over our lives. 
And a lot of people will say that as if it's like a title or something. I'm a child of God. But listen, being a child of God is an identity that is transformed in Jesus Christ. And it is a life that is, that is dedicated to Jesus, just as we did with these children. It's a life that is given to the Lord. And so Paul tells them some things here about what it means to be a child of God. And so the first thing I want to show you today is he tells them in Galatians chapter 4, you were enslaved to the elemental spirits of the world. And so Jesus, God, sent his son. God sent his son. God sent his only son, John 3 tells us. God sent his son in order to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as children. Now this verse right here is a verse of love because you realize the gravity of what God has done here is that God has sent his son, Jesus, who was his actual son, to come and redeem us who were enslaved, who were outside of the family God, who you and I, we turned our backs on him through the nature of sin and opposed him. But yet God gave his only son for us anyways so that we could be adopted into his family. That's an incredible type of love, and that's a love that sometimes I think you and I may never understand. And so the first thing I want to show you today is that what it means to be a child of God is that we have been adopted into the family of God. Adopted into the family of God. And if we have been adopted into the family of God, that says a lot about who we are right here today. If we are adopted into the family of God, every believer here that's here today, and we have been brought into the kingdom of God, then that says of us that are gathered here today that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We're brothers and sisters in the Lord. So that's why when we see the great picture of all the activity that's happening in heaven, every nation, every tongue, every tribe, every culture, every race is gathered there, and they are like a big old family. You ever been to a family reunion? It's like a big festival and party and thing happening. And that's like how I like to think of the picture of eternity. It's a family reunion. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but this has happened to me many times. I might be traveling on an airplane or walking in a store. I might be going and get caught in a conversation with somebody. And we start talking. And there's something that happens. I begin to know there's something different about this person. I feel like I know them almost. Has that ever happened to you? It's like you begin to talk to that person, you realize, what is it about you that's different? I know that what's, in, what's different about you. And then you get to talking and you discover that that person is a believer in the Lord. That person has been uh, saved and knows Jesus and is living for Jesus. And you realize, like a big old family reunion is happening there. You have been adopted into the family of God. And it's bigger than just our church here. It's a great, it's a big body of believers. And the thing about the family of God is it's not separated by denominations it's not separated by doctrines when we all get to heaven it's not going to be this group of people that are over here and this group of people over here no it's going to be all of us together the family of God and so that says a lot about what you and I ought to strive for even now is that you and I should strive for the unity of the believers why because we're family 
Just like you, if you had an argument with your brother or sister, eventually you got to make up because they're family, right? you got to come together and say, I love you, because they've been bought with a price. And this is the way the family of God is. We love each other like brothers and sisters in Christ. And sometimes when people come into the body of Christ, sometimes and many times, this is often the only family that some people ever have. And it's an eternal family. It's a family that will go on in forever. And when you and I get into heaven, it's not going to be a family that we forgot about. It's just going to feel even bigger. So it's important to remember that as a child of God, we were once astray. We were once without a family. We were once separated from Christ. We were once left onto our own. And sometimes if we forget that important part, if we forget that we were astray, that we were lost, then we lose the value of what it means to be adopted into the family of God. When you realize and live our daily lives, I was once a sinner, I was once astray, but now I've been adopted into the family of God, it causes you and I to appreciate the family that we now have. It causes us to not take for granted the people that God has placed around us, but we recognize that that we are now brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus. Once astray without a family, but now family in God. And so we have been adopted into the family of God. The second thing that Paul tells the Galatians here is this, is he says this, and because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. There's a word that pops up here that you might have heard preached about before, or you might have heard before, an Aramaic word, and it's called Abba, Father. And it's a word that we actually see Jesus pray. In Mark chapter 14, the Bible says when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's wrestling with this idea that he's in this prayer and great blood, sweat, and tears are flowing from him and he's wrestling in prayer and, oh God, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. And he says to them, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Jesus calls God Abba, Father, and he recognizes a loving relationship. We have been adopted into the family of God, and we have been loved into a relationship with God. We've been loved into a relationship with God. Now, sometimes people have uh, tried to translate this word Abba to be an English equivalent of uh, maybe what we might refer to our uh, our fathers in a personal, intimate way, whatever name you might call them, uh, daddy, dad, poppy, poppy, papa, whatever it might be. And in other words, what they're trying to do is dis display the intimacy of using the word Abba. But you'll discover as you look into that word a little bit more that Abba not only means intimacy, it means obedience. What Jesus was saying when he prayed, Abba, Father, take this cup from me, not my will, but yours be done, is this, is God, I recognize that we are in a, a loving relationship. I recognize our closeness, but I also recognize that because you're my father, and because you have instructed me, and because you have led me in my life, I also will obey you. Isn't that what a good child does to their father? They obey. When they say, hey, when the father speaks to the child, say, hey, would you mind uh, doing the dishes? Would you mind taking out the trash? Would you mind mowing the lawn? A child says, a good child says in obedience, yes, father. 
Not necessarily because they want to, but because their father asked them to. And that's the relationship that you and I have called. But a little bit deeper is the fact that it's out of obedience and intimacy. And because God asked us, it's not that I don't want to. It's I do want to because God is my father. Because I love him with all of my heart. The Lord says, go over here. Do this for my glory. Do this for my honor. We say, yes, Lord, because you're my father. Because I call you Abba, I will gladly say so. And Romans 8 teaches us, as Galatians teaches us here, that God has sent the spirit of Jesus inside of us. That same spirit that was in Jesus crying in the garden is the same spirit that is inside of us. And that's why we find ourselves throughout the day. There might be moments where we go throughout our day and there's something that says, I need something more. And there's a crying, there's a longing that comes from us and says, Abba, Father. God, I need you today. Why? Because we've been called into a loving relationship with our Father. And so the Holy Spirit is at work inside of us to keep us connected to the Father, to keep us in relationship to God. Isn't that a wonderful thing that God has sent his Spirit to be with us right now so that you and I can be good children of God, be faithful children of God, be loving children of God? That's what God has thought. He has loved us into a loving relationship with God. He's adopted us into the family of God. And there is obedience and intimacy there. There is this love that you can't describe. Sometimes I find myself without words to tell the Lord about how I love him. Sometimes I think songs are a wonderful way to express the desire of the heart, but the words are lacking thereof. Because if God is love and God's spirit is crying in our heart, then who could ever describe that love in a human language? It's only a supernatural thing. The third thing you see here is that we've been adopted into the family of God. We've been loved into a loving relationship with God. And the third thing is this. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God, if also an heir through God. What's an heir? An heir is someone who is designated to be the recipient of an inheritance. An heir is someone who knows that there is something coming to me from my parents. There is something that has been left to me. We are called as heirs. Just like our fathers now and mothers may write a will and designate certain things and we become the heir of those possessions or whatever it might be, God has also made us heirs. And But the crazy thing is this, is that the Bible teaches us that we ought not to lay up treasures here on earth where moth and rust corrupt, right? The Bible says that. But to lay up treasures where moth can't get to, where rust can't get to. So if that's the case, then that means that what you and I inheriting isn't silver or gold. It's not possessions. It's not a better car. It's not a bigger house. It's not a better job. It's a relationship with Jesus that is overflowing, and it's called eternal life. And eternal life uh, you, is so much bigger than you and I could possibly understand. Eternal life is beginning right here now on earth. As you and I are living for the Lord Jesus, it's the beginning here now, how we faithfully live for the Lord. And so being an heir of God causes us to look, well, if I'm an heir, then what have I been promised? Jesus says it this way in John chapter 14. And this, he says this, 
that if, don't let your hearts be in trouble. Believe in God, believe also in me. And in my Father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. Now, a lot of times we as, uh, you know, carnal Christians that we are, sometimes we read that verse and we think, oh, thank God, there's a mansion for me. And we get all excited about the mansion. And we get all so excited. And yes, sure, heaven is going to be more than we could possibly imagine. And the, the, or imagine, and the architecture is going to be more than we could possibly imagine. But did you catch the most beautiful part of that verse? He says that I will go and take you to myself so that where I am, there you may also be. You see, the joy of our inheritance and the joy of being an heir as a child of God is that you and I inherit an eternal relationship with Jesus, that there is an eternal peace, that there's eternal love, there's eternal joy, there's eternal goodness in the presence of God. And it begs the question of this is that all of us have said, and I think Dorothy said it best, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. And you and I will discover that as much as we want and as believers, if we really love the Lord Jesus, there is no place on earth that ever is ever going to feel always exactly like home. Why? Because the Bible teaches us this. For our citizenship is in heaven. And if our citizenship is in heaven, and if that is our home, then what's going to happen naturally inside of us is that there will always be a longing for that place. There will always be a desire to say, Lord, I can't wait to be there. I can't wait to be an heir of that place that you've gone and prepared. Paul told the, some, one of the letters that he was writing, he said it to this one. He said, I wish to depart and be with the Lord forever, but for your sake, I long to remain so that you might understand the goodness of God. And isn't that an amazing thing that Paul understood likewise, that being an heir of God is understanding there's a place prepared for me. And there's a place prepared for me. It doesn't just have mansions. It doesn't just have gold streets. But it has Jesus. And there is nothing better. There is no greater joy on the earth. There is no wonderful silver or gold that will ever amount to the goodness that comes from having an eternal relationship with Jesus. And being in a child of God is being entrusted with that as our promise. And isn't that a wonderful promise? A loving relationship with Jesus. It's the type of loving relationship that says, Lord, I know things are tough here. I know I'm going through difficult things. But you've promised eternal joy, eternal peace, eternal love. And I know even so now, I can begin to understand and enjoy the beauties of what that means here. So that forevermore, we will be with Jesus. I'm asking musicians to come. When I think about a child and being a children of God, I often think about a story that Jesus told. And if Jesus told the story about a father and his love toward a child, I think it's a picture of us, how we ought to look and understand how God thinks of us as children. The Bible tells us the story in Luke, the parable of a parable that we all recognize, the parable of the prodigal son. And there was this uh, child that had 
been given an inheritance, had been given an, an earthly inheritance, but had squandered it all, had spent it all up, and was life was a wreck. His life was a mess. You ever felt like that? Life is a mess sometimes. And here was this child that had been given all the silver and gold and all the wealth that he could possibly have. What a lesson to us that money is not the answer. And all the inheritance that could be promised. And you would think a father had been made an heir. What a good father he was. He left an inheritance to this child. And now the child had it in his hand. And the child, this son, squandered it all. And he found himself one day eating with pigs. And boy, if there's anywhere to come bring you to realization, it's the day that you turn over and someone says, oink, oink, right? And that was the prodigal son. He realized that day in that relationship that there was his father and his father was still at home and his father was still right where he left him and his father was still in the place and he says my father has all of these things he has all of these people working for him and all of these things and, and I'm just going to go back there and the amazing thing about that story is is that he comes back to that father and that father saw, sees him from a distance and comes running after him. Running after him. Here he is. He's filthy. He's been eating with pigs. He's a mess. He doesn't have anything. He abused everything that that father had given to him. And he comes running after him. And his father throws the biggest possible celebration for him. All, it brings a ring for him, brings a robe for him, has a feast for him, and they celebrate and rejoice. And he says, my son that was once lost is now come home, has come to life. And I've often liked to think of that story as the picture of home. Dorothy said, there's no place like home. And that's true. And that prodigal son discovered that day there's no place like home. And home for you and I as believers is bigger than earth. It's greater than anything we could inherit here. It's greater than the best car you could possibly imagine. Best than it, all that is shallow compared to the joys of inheriting a relationship with Jesus. And so the petition for this father and to this son was just come home. Just come home. Home is where the presence of God is. Home is in the arms of God. Home is in the joys of Jesus. Home is that you and I may not have a place to live here now, and we may not have any family here now, but home is knowing this, I've been adopted into the family of God. That's home for me. I'm home in the hands of Jesus. And today I just want to encourage you, my friend, my brother, my sister, in the Lord Jesus today, that is here today. You don't have any family. You don't have a home. You don't have joy in your life. You don't have any life in your life. There's no love. You feel a sense of emptiness. I just want to tell you today, God has seen you long time ago before you were even thinking about him this morning. And just like Jesus told the story of this father chasing after that son, that's how God has been after you all of your life. All of your life, even when you were doing the worst imaginable thing you could possibly imagine. That's how God's been running after you. Every moment, even when you were at your worst, that's how God saw you. 
running after you, running after you. And if Jesus told this story about the prodigal son and his love towards a father, don't you think that Jesus was trying to give us a picture of how he understands God the Father because he himself was his own son, came down and put on display, and that's how God is for you, wanting to wrap you in his arms, cover you in his protection, put it in his seal of approval on your life. Listen, that story is not about getting possessions. It's about bringing him under the covering of God. You were once astray, prodigal son. You were once out there, but I'm going to put a robe on you to show you you've been adopted into my family again. I'm going to put a ring on your finger to show you that you're now my heir. You belong to me, and whatever comes from me, it's going to you because you belong to me. And that story is not about possessions. It's about a God who is willing to stand up against sin, against enemy, and claim us back once again and say you were lost, but now you're mine. And hear me, my friend, today. Don't ever let anyone tell you you don't deserve the love of God. If God is willing to chase after you, you deserve God's love. He's coming. He wants to give it to you. Yes, of course we've sinned. Of course we've messed up. We're not worthy of it. But God wants to give you his love. So be a recipient of it today. Be a recipient of the, the mighty, changing, transforming love of God today. Oh, how it can wipe away the worst of sins and cause us to begin all anew. I remember years ago, when, when I was a child, 13 years old, I was a child. And I had developed a rhythm in my life somehow. I wasn't going to church. I didn't know the Lord personally. But I had developed this thing that somebody had taught me along the way. I think it was a grandmother. And she taught me this prayer and a prayer that somehow I had remembered. And it was this, now I lay me down asleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And there I was, a 13-year-old, didn't know who God was, didn't know a thing about the Bible, didn't know anything. And I just began to pray, God, if you love me, if you're out there, let me know. And you know, one day somebody got me to go to this church service, and there I was. I don't remember what happened that day. I don't remember who preached, but I just remember a guy telling me uh, his story. He said for 10 years of his life, he was on drugs lost and he doesn't remember those 10 years he was so just so abandoned so just messed up in his mind and his family came to him they got him to come to church one day and they came to him and they said we're gonna go pray and he decided yes I need prayer and he described the story to me that 13 year old that day is this he said as I was walking to the front he said I felt like weights were falling off of me I felt like loads of burdens were just coming unloaded from me and that was the day that God changed his life he immediately 10 years of his life he couldn't remember you know he was on some bad stuff immediately he was transformed immediately God set him free that's the adopting power of Jesus and after I heard his story as a 13 year old I said to the Lord I said to God I didn't know how to pray for nothing I said God if you could do that for him what could you do for me Oh, did I not know the wonderful love of Jesus. And that day, in that same moment, I remember standing there just so, so blind, so naive. And how I just stood there and prayed that prayer. And it was as if Jesus stepped down in front of me, looked back at me and said to me, Charlie, I love you. And that was the day everything changed for me. My whole life from that moment on. 
And I discovered that what I needed to know that day, I realized I was a sinner. I was trying to find my way out. But what I needed to know today, that day was that there's a God in the universe. There's my Father God that loves me and that changed me forever. And I want to tell you today that God is no respecter of persons. And if you need God's love today, just call on Him. Ask Him, would you stand with me today? Every eye closed. Just begin to pray and ask Him today. If you want prayer this morning, just come stand here at the front. Come stand here at the front. We want to pray with you. We're children of God. Children of God, bought with a price. May we never forget it. Just come stand this morning. Come stand at the front. You need prayer. Just come stand. And I'm going to ask some of my friends to come and gather around these as we pray. And Lord, today we pray, God, come and help us this morning, Lord. We pray today that we might experience the love of Jesus today. Oh, God, that we might experience the fullness of your love. As Jeff comes today, you need prayer. Just come today. Just come. Just come this morning. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. You need to repent. You need to turn away from sin. Oh, how the Lord knows. Of course he knows. Lay it out before him and experience the wonderful love of Jesus today. And this morning, I want to ask some of my friends that are here, just gathered around them and pray. Call upon the Lord today. Lord, we need you. As Jeff sings, just begin to pray. Call to the Lord. Oh, how we need you, Lord Jesus.